everyone, and welcome to The Art of Podcasting, episode 18, Podcast Marketing, recorded July 8th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementopie.com. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about how to, pro, uh, pro, 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 how to speak well when doing an intro. And nice. clearly, I'm going to lead by opposite example. Don't do what I do. Now, this week, we're going to talk about promoting your podcast, how to let people know what you've got and uh, the value of it, uh, how to do that without being a spammer, ideally. And I would like to say uh, this show is going to come out on my wife's birthday. She is listening in the live uh, stream right now. Oh, so happy birthday, happy birthday happy to my birthday, lovely bride. She is 37 years old. Uh, and we'll be from now on. Uh, and so, uh, happy birthday. That's I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, happy birthday, baby. I love you. Um, and I, I can't wait to see you soon. I'll be, I'll be heading home. Uh, with, with regard to that, we're not going to have a show next week because I'm going to be in Texas. So, um, We'll talk a little bit more about that, but let me introduce my co-hosts, the venerable Mr. James, the Professor Messer. Hiya, James. Howdy. Hello, hello, hello. It's not my birthday at all. No, it's, didn't think so. No. And, and the, uh, the vastly um, talented Mr. Steve Cherubino of howtopodcast.biz. Hiya, Steve. Hey, Mark. Hello, James. Welcome. Howdy. Um, so this week, I want to start off with some listener feedback. Uh, I, we, we, every week, we say, hey, let us know what you think. Uh, and I say, we'll read it on the show. So I'm going to uh, stand by my promise there. Uh, Sven Johnson um, posted on uh, the Element OP Facebook page. And see, I do read that. Uh, so I'm going to read in toto his comments, and then we'll discuss it a little bit uh, as we go. Uh, Sven says, hey, just finished this episode of The Art of Podcasting and wanted to throw in my two cents regarding a comment made at the end of the show about most people listening on cheapo headphones. Personally, I try to keep in mind that I'm listening to free content, but if the production value isn't there, I just can't take it. There are Element Opie shows I can't listen to because you used uh, Skype audio. Any show that can, uh, has constant buzz or hiss, uh, records using cheap mics, or doesn't properly line up their audio, or doesn't clean up extra noise, instantly get dropped and low ratings from me. Every show needs to record individual tracks. Every show needs to do EQ cleanup. Every show needs to level out the Vox tracks for their hosts. Every show needs to treat what they are doing as worth doing, or in the end, it won't be li worth listening to. Art of podcasting sounds good, and I'm not knocking you, but be sure to keep the emphasis on recording quality audio for all your aspiring podcast listeners. So, Sven, I, I, ahead, I think you cut off the bottom part where he said, love the show, and I love you guys. Um, I would have uh, put that in there had it been there. Oh. Um, but, yeah, not so much. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but he did say that this show sounds good. Uh, Sven, I'll say I agree with you. On pretty much all your points, and I have said all of those things, that uh, uh, quality audio should be um, your first choice. And I have often said also that uh, recording locally is the best choice if you can do it. It's not often you can. On most of my shows, I have a recurring, uh, a revolving uh, host on, on the Tightwad Tech, on uh, uh, on. 
edu matters on one meal one workout on the periodic table these are all people where i am calling somebody up and asking them uh, for an interview uh, i do not think it appropriate or frankly reasonable to say, oh, by the way, to be on the show, I, I need you to go out and get a high quality mic and record your audio separately and upload a giant audio file to me in some fashion. So uh, those are concessions that I make uh, simply to get good content. And we've talked about that on this show before, too. I told the story about uh, uh, Dr. David Thornburg, a brilliant man who recorded on his laptop uh, with the door open and his neighbor mowing the lawn. And you put up with the audio quality because the content is good. But uh, so, yeah, there are times when I have to uh, choose whether I, I want pristine audio or I want the people. And, some, and, I, and I'm going to choose the people over that whenever possible. So that's my comment to you, Sven. I would like no, to I was, say that... Go ahead, Steve. Thanks, James. I would like to say that when I started encountering that problem when I was podcasting, because I, I do a show where on Podnuts Daily where anybody could basically call and we, I had some real crappy connections. I kind of tried to uh, handle that, and the, the best tool for me to handle that was the getting the DB, DBX266 compressor limiter. Um, that's great, because if you get a, a crappy Skype connection coming in, you could get out a lot of the noise and filter out, um, just filter out a lot of the noise and compress the signal and make it sound good, so at least you can record it good. I also don't agree that every show, um, you know, you have the ability for every show to, for them to record audio on their end and send it in. Um, I think Sven must have very few, if, the, if these are his requirements, he must have very few podcasts he actually listens to because <laughs> while, while I agree that you have to be, a, it's, it's really good to be a professional in everything you do. And, and I try to do it most of the time. Um, a lot of podcasts don't uh, live up to his standards here. So I would think that there's not too much on his podcast player. Because it's really hard to do, you know, to get good audio, we, we say it and, and Sven says it very succinctly is that you need to have good audio. It's so simple to say it's really, really hard to do with the, even with an inexpensive microphone, there are wires and connections and USB interfaces. And maybe you also have a compressor limiter gate that you've plugged in and you've got this going into a computer, but you also need backup audio. And there's the guy across the street with the mower. It is um, it is a complex thing, and, and I almost feel like sometimes I'm constantly chasing this thing. I just completed another video series, and I recorded the last section, and you know what? I just wasn't happy with a section of the audio. I had to adjust it up a little bit. I'm trying to figure out why did it sound different this time than last time, um, and, and you've listened to even television shows on networks where these are million-dollar shows, and you'll get audio problems from them sometimes as well, and even the best guys suffer through that. And to Steve's point, I was on Stitcher the other night uh, walking around the neighborhood and I thought, let me find another Linux podcast to listen to. I went into Stitcher, I popped up Linux, and I started going through the different podcasts. Some of them sound really bad. And to yes. Sven's point, I spent about two seconds on that podcast. I stopped it and I went to the next one. And I may have missed some really good content. I will go back and try to figure out, are these really good podcasts? Because they were coming out at a pretty decent clip. It was a relatively new episode, but it's really hard sometimes to listen to that. Yeah. 
And, you know, most guys are doing this as a hobby, actually, t- to be frank. Um, there's definitely some professionals out there podcasting, but most guys are doing it as a hobby. They don't have the million-dollar equipment or whatever, so they do the best they can. If it's acceptable, I, I listen to it. If it's just too bad, like James said, some of those podcasts I've, I've even tried listening to, I can't. Um, if it's unlistenable, I won't listen. But, you know, if it's, if it's average to, to good to great, I will listen. definitely listen to those shows. So, uh, you know, Sven, thanks for listening. I appreciate your feedback. Uh, I'm not trying to dump on you at all. We uh, uh, we are podcasters here. That's what we do. So naturally, we're a little defensive uh, when someone uh, uh, criticizes. But you know, that's not okay. defensive. You know, yeah. We asked for your feedback, and you gave it, and that's awesome. We appreciate that. Uh, one thing you said there about you know you're listening to free content. Uh, as a as a podcast consumer, I don't even consider that. Uh, I am paying you in some way or another, presumably uh, through your advertising or uh, through um, your clout. You're trying to build your audience, whatever it is. It is a two way relationship. Uh, we produce content. Uh, we don't charge you directly for the content, but we want you to listen because listeners equals numbers, numbers equals ad ad revenue, or however you're going to do that. So. Um, as a consumer, I would say it's okay to be picky. It really is. And, and I'm not going to listen to something uh, that is, is bad quality either. But you have to understand that sometimes you can't get as pristine as you would like it to be. So you just have to, to, to choose. Yeah. Well said. And our, on our Everyday Linux podcast, two of the, the, the hosts on that show have crappy bandwidth. So they send me their audio. Uh, and I do that, and it takes a lot more effort. Uh, but we do it because you know I care about the content of the show. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm saying that they're uh, that you're right about uh, almost everything you said there. But on this show, we've never done that because we've always had good connection. And then James may drop a syllable here and there, and Steve may uh, cut out. But I'm okay with that. You know that doesn't ruin the show. That's just the the cost of doing business. And you mentioned Skype audio. Skype audio is a billion percent better than the next competitor. So, True. you know, you, you're the only way to do this is either record it live and the next step is Skype. And then oftentimes Skype could actually make a, 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 a better connection because it has a, a really good gate and a really good compressor built in. It can be better than if you record it live. It's true. I bet you there's a lot of shows that Sven listens to that actually are Skype audio and he doesn't even know it. I'm just betting. I'm just going to go on the bet. Because I did like all my shows up to like two months ago on Skype audio, and you're right. Sometimes it sounded better than the live guys. So Skype Skype audio is quite good. All right, so that's that's all we have to say about that. Hey, and if you are out there listening and you have some some comments, maybe you want to talk to us, or maybe you want to reply back to Sven. Uh, the Facebook page is up there. You can do that, uh, or you can uh, uh, go to com and, and make your comments known either in the forums or using the contact us link. Uh, so I, we encourage uh, feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, we want to know, as I've said so many times on all of our shows, we do this for you. You're the, you're our audience, you're our customers. Uh, and so we want to hear what you think. If you, if we're doing well, let us know. If we're not doing well, let us know. I would say, uh, he did make comment there that, uh, you get dropped in low ratings. Um, I would caution against the low ratings just in general, because your opinion, uh, could damage somebody. You know, one, one low rating, 
uh, takes a awful lot of high readings to offset. So maybe it's better to just quietly walk away than to actively go out and try to damage their reputation. And that's what a low rating does. You give somebody a one-star rating, you're actively seeking to damage their reputation. And poor audio quality, I don't think, is a good enough reason to do that, in my opinion. I, yeah, I wouldn't do it. I mean, unless the, the audio quality is abysmal, I would consider a low rating. But if it's acceptable, then yeah, that shouldn't. I don't think it should really be grounds for taking some stars away. But okay, I'll, I'll stop standing. giving a low rating. I'm sorry. This I, <laughs> I just go out to our site and I click low rating. Yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, right. that's uh, that's just my the way I would do it. I would just walk away quietly. Uh, giving a one star review to something is the equivalent to me of throwing a fit in the lobby of the hotel because your towels were dirty. You know, you you or deal punching with that. somebody, right? Where are you staying? I don't know. I'm just I just pulled that out of the air. Uh, there are there are ways to deal with that that aren't public. Now, if it's a consistent thing, um, you know, vote with your feet. But, uh, you know, star ratings to me, um, you either rate it highly or you don't at all. That's that's just the way I do it anyway. Having cool. said that, though, uh, I'm going to give a very low star rating to Mayflower Movers. And I'm going to use my bully pulpit and I'm going to encourage Steve and James to do the same because they screwed me over and I want everybody to know about it. What happened, I hate Mark? them. Um, my, uh, my, as I mentioned earlier, uh, one week from tomorrow, I'm going to be in Texas, uh, moving that's, uh, July 16th, uh, about five and a half, almost six weeks ago, we contracted Mayflower Movers, uh, a large national moving company, uh, with, uh, to, to move us. And the date was July 16th. They said, you got to lock that date in. We got to do it today. That's as soon as we can get there. So we did it. It's not like we... Uh, sort of made this up or something. I have at home a piece of paper with that date on it and with an agent's signature on the bottom of it. So it's, you know, this is not uh, me being uh, frivolous. That's the date. And so for six weeks now, we've been planning on that date. That's the day that's going to happen. I, that's the day I'm flying back to Texas at my own expense uh, so that we can do that. That's the date that... Um, uh, we are moving out of our house. That's the date that the uh, property management who's going to be renting the house they were in takes over. That's that's a hard date now, and it has been for weeks. Uh, my wife called yesterday to to ask a question or confirm something. I don't remember which. And the agent said, oh, yeah, by the way, we don't have any trucks available that day. It'll have to be the 23rd. What? Um, and they just weren't even going to bother to tell us that. They just, you know, on the 16th, they weren't going to show up. Uh, and so 16th to the 23rd. Oh my yeah, God. They were, were going to you know another week. Just we'll, we'll come the next Monday if that's okay with you. Uh, well, not only no, but hell no, it's not okay with me that that has to happen. This is, we are going to move on the 16th. We have this document where you promised to be there on the 16th. And the agent was, well, there's not a truck deal with it. That that's my paraphrase. Uh, but basically it was, uh, you know, just we we can't be there. We'll be there on the 23rd or not at all. So uh, that left me to scramble to in mm-hmm. six days to find somebody. Right. Um, so mad props to movers.org. The who is Ameri- that again, Mark? Uh, that's Mayflower Movers Who Socks. Mayflower yes. Socks. Uh, who's the good guy? That's the hashtag we need to, need to do. Mayflower, okay. <laughs> uh, move, uh, Mayflower Socks. Uh, so everybody go out there and tweet uh, using the hashtag Mayflower Socks. Uh, but the American Moving and Storage Association, moving to, uh, movers.org, um, is basically like a, a clearinghouse for movers. Uh, it's like the Better Business Bureau of Movers, so to speak. So I went to them uh, late Saturday night. 
and I sent an email or filled out a form online and they selected five companies that they recommend that are in the area and, and could do the job. Again, this was Saturday night. Sunday morning, all five companies had contacted me. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and the first one that did, because I was desperate, I made a, a deal with, and that was uh, Summit Van Lines. I, I don't know; I've never heard of Summit before, uh, but they're you know they're they're bonded. I checked up on their their ratings. Uh, everything online is like either four or five stars out of five. Uh, they they have a good reputation, and they were uh, a quarter the price of what Mayflower Movers wow. had, had told what? me. Now let's say they they mess up that and that was just an estimate right so they said we'll never really know they charge by all shipping companies charge by weight so never really based, know yeah based on what we've <laughs> based on what we've told them they were assumed uh, a certain estimate now when they get there and they actually weigh it let's say that they were way off and it's double their estimate that's still half the cost of mayflower movers right so uh some advan lines uh, i'll let you know the next time <laughs> we're together whether i'm happy with them or not but whatever you do don't employ mayflower movers and I want you they to go suck. out and actively seek to damage the reputation of Mayflower Movers. That's that's I'm what I'm calling you to rating. do. Yes, because <laughs> they they, they there's no worth a low rating. There is no other way to say this than that they intentionally screwed me on that deal. Period. It's a good thing it's you called. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. What would happen if my wife hadn't called? So we're there on the 16th. Everything's packed up. We're sitting on boxes, and nobody comes. And that, that would be that would so be hot. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's that's all I have to say about that. In the words of Forrest Gump. Any other news you guys want to talk about? Why? Yes. I, I can't beat that. <laughs> Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, mine's not as juicy as that. But I did announce on a previous show that uh, I'm putting my ne- podcasting network up for sale. That's PodNuts.com. It's now available on Flippa.com for public auction. So if and there is any interest of you out there, you could head on over to flippa.com or you could just actually just go to podnuts.com slash sale. It'll take you right to the auction and uh, see if it's something that you want to do. What is a flippa.com? Flippa.com is a website for selling or buying websites. It's like eBay for websites and only for websites. It's F-L-I-P-P-A? Yes. Dot com. Flippa. So we have a question in the chat room. Why are you selling Podnuts? You've addressed this before. Give us the 30-second version of that. Um, my best answer is listen to Podnuts Daily episode number 350, I think. It's a seven-minute show. Let me see if that's it. Yeah. Just listen to Podnuts Daily episode number 350. And uh, we have uh, more contents in the uh, comments in the chat room that I should buy your network no, I'm busy enough with the shows I do. <laughs> I can't do any more right I, Mark, now. Uh, come on. That's come a great on. idea. Don't yeah, just dismiss go. it that easily. That's yeah. a perfect idea. I don't want to buy Steve's network. I don't want to build my own. And honestly, this, seriously, if I bought Podnuts, um, I would do away with Podnuts and I would move the shows under Element OP. Nobody wants that. People want Podnuts to continue. That's what Sold. you built. Sold, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> with the money you save by not going with sucky Mayflower... You could put that and invest it into a brand new network. I, I really could, um, but I, I suspect that uh, uh, I would not meet the reserve price. <laughs> so anyway, uh, good luck with that, Steve. Uh, you know we've 
Uh, he's talked about it before. It's just he wants to move on from that, and that's okay. People do that. But uh, he I'm, also I'm wants changing to... Prof- changing professions in a nutshell, yeah. It's right. changing professions. I'm doing st- stuff with music now in the music industry, and I really enjoy that. It's something I always wanted to do, and uh, I'm just going full bore in that direction. That's all. I will say this, though. If you don't get any buyers and you want somebody to produce the existing shows, send them my way. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. Thanks. Okay. Moving right along. Uh, anything else? Anything other th- before we get to the uh, meat of the matter? Meat. <laughs> okay. So, uh, first off, let's talk about why it's a good idea, or is it a good idea, to market your podcast? So, you've got your podcast, you've uh, you know, all the stuff we've already talked about, you've got good audio, you've got things set up, you've got the gear, you're all ready to go, you've got a good website you've built. Why is it important to let people know about it? I'll start with you, Jay. Uh, what's your name, Steve? Well, that, that's part of the fun. You know, it's podcasting is great, but would you rather sit in your room and talk to yourself or know that you have an audience of people you're communicating to? You need to market to get listeners. I mean, there's, it's not, unless you're really lucky, it's not as easy as just saying, oh, I want to be a podcaster. You do, you record a podcast, you start a website, and then you just like sit, cross your arms, and wait for the people to come flowing in to listen to it. It's not going to happen usually. Yeah. How, how well do you think that'll work? <laughs> it's that's not how you do it. So James, um, is that to, what you did with your Professor Messer videos? Did you just put them up there and say y'all come? Well, uh, to, to that point, that's all I do is sit around and talk to myself. So <laughs> there, there is there is something to be said for that part of it. Um, the the podcast that I've done and the videos that I do obviously are not done live. I am literally talking to myself. They're sort of like a a podcast I record with nobody watching. And then I put them out there. And at that point, it's almost the same as you want people to watch or to listen to the content that you've created, to download it, to hear it. There's obviously a means to this end to to do something along those lines. Um, And and that's really the question. It's more to me, it's more fun when more people are getting involved with what you're doing. They can send you nice letters every week that tell you how your audio is and that they love you and that they love the show. And, uh, and you can of course communicate back with them. And I, to me, that's where a lot of the give and take is a lot of what I really, really enjoy about doing all of this. Okay. And marketing is a technology. I mean, you have to actively do correct actions to get people to listen to your show. It's, um, it's a skill, and I highly recommend everybody learn a little bit of marketing and just Google Google marketing and Google what you need to learn because it's a skill that you can apply to all parts of your life. Marketing is ma- being able to say something or make an announcement and have lots of people hear it, and that's really valuable. So we'll talk so, about some things we do. Let, let's talk a, first a little bit about what marketing is not. Um, putting your show on iTunes and saying it's available, it's searchable, that's not marketing. That's the first step, obviously. You've got to make your stuff available, and you've got to put it where the people are. That's not marketing. A lot of people think that. I've got it it's, out there. It's marketing. It's not good marketing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, it is marketing. I mean, it's one of the steps you definitely need to do. Yeah, I would call that- you very far, though. I would say that's not marketing. That's infrastructure. That's plumbing. That's something you got to do. You know? Fair no, enough. They, it gets exposure. People get to find, people find it on there. Right. So, but the idea is uh, to figure out how to get people interested in your show. And I will, I will say I suck at this. 
I am not good at marketing. I have not done a good job of marketing my network or of marketing my shows. Um, if you don't follow my personal Twitter feed or my personal Facebook feed, the odds are you don't even know I have a podcast. So I'm going to hope that these guys uh, can help me out. I, I've com- I've depended on my community uh, to do the marketing for me. And thank you guys. You, you've done a great job of that. I hear people all the time say somebody recommended me to this. Or, or if you don't have a vanity search and, and like Google reader, you should. Uh, so I have a search there. And <laughs> if it pops up in a forum or something, I see that. And I hear somebody say, hey, you were interested. You were talking about um, Untangle. Well, the Taiwan Tech guys did a show about that. Here's the show number that's awesome that's marketing that's you guys marketing me and thanks because that's really all the marketing i've ever done yeah well that's it is good marketing actually like it's it's like grassroots once you get your community rolling it it can snowball just from your community but there are some definite actions you should do right off the bat and And it's hard marketing is is a set of tasks and it's it's uh, there's a lot of thought that has to be put into it. You have to plan things out. You have to uh, decide where you're going to put these efforts. Sometimes these efforts involve money, um, and so it, it's never one thing. It's never two things. It's usually a lot of little things and maybe a couple of big things thrown in there that are just constantly churning to build that buzz. And of course, it all—it's yeah. something we've we've said from the beginning. It all comes down to having good content. If you don't have anything worth sharing, nobody's ever going to share it. So that's the first step in good marketing: is producing good content. Yeah, because if somebody does give a couple minutes to listen to your show and give it a try, you want that's your chance. You want to be able to grab them when when they're giving you a trial of your show. So you want it, want it to be good. So yeah, definitely have good content. I think we should just roll down the list of discussion points you wrote here, Mark. And start with podcast directories. Yeah, iTunes, really I think is, it, I think it's really big. I mean, you should definitely get your show on iTunes because it, when you put your show on iTunes for free, they put it into the market. Or actually, it's not. I think they're taking it off iTunes now. Didn't we talk about yeah, this? Yeah, that's on the iTunes it app. Yeah, or the podcasting okay, app, or whatever it is. It's a good. That's a good place to have it, and. Take a cue from iTunes and put your stuff, even in the, people still have Zunes, put it in the Zune marketplace. Um, I, I also put mine on Podcast Alley, I think it was right. called. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what's around anymore, but I would, I, go, I just Google searched podcast directories right. and um, picked like the first five big ones that looked like they were legit and actually had some traffic and they accept free submissions. So definitely get up on there. You get some Google juice. Um get some links back to your site. So it's it's definitely a great first step. Yeah, well, when the one James just mentioned earlier, uh, Stitcher Radio. I didn't have my shows on Stitcher. I had a listener say, hey, I use Stitcher. It's all I use. I want to listen to your stuff. Put your stuff on Stitcher. Okay, Bubba, that's a fine idea. So yep. I did. Uh, but yeah, I did the same thing uh, James did. I Googled podcast directory and everything that came up on the first page I submitted myself to. Yeah, and that's just that's just putting yourself where people can find you. That's like bare minimum marketing. I think it's the first thing I did actually when I started my podcast is that was the first action I did. Uh, Steve, what do you have to say? You have a literally a, a professional background in marketing. So, what are your insights on this at this point? You mean and by the Steve, Steve, he means yes. What did I say? Did I say Steve? I meant James. Sorry. If only Google Plus gave me like names under the thing so I could hover over it and see what the names were. 
I could. Yeah. Only I can't do a lower third because it would be backwards when I stream yeah, it on Minicamp. All right. And then if we did that, of course, Steve and I would switch off every once in a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'd, we'd definitely play it up. <laughs> okay. So, James, what do you yes. have to say? Holy cow. Well, uh, I can say that uh, I have, uh, in a former life, been a part of a marketing group in a large software company in Silicon Valley that did traditional marketing. It did uh, email blasts and trade shows and advertising and press releases and uh, communication with the press directly with interviews and going around the world and doing press tours and um, podcasts obviously don't quite fit into that same mix of marketing things, but still every piece of those types of things do still apply to what we are doing just in a different way. Um, I never was quite happy with the idea of getting a mailing list of thousands of people and just sending them out an email blast saying, Hey, here's my product. And isn't it great? There's there's such a low percentage rate of people who even open the email, and of those, a paltry percentage of people that actually would would take that step to to download the thing that you're offering, or to call you, or to contact you in some way. It, it's it's not a very effective way of communicating. But I was able to look at those things and figure out how can we how can we take that same idea and make it work for the net. And one of the things that I've said on I, on a show I did with Steve, I've said on this podcast, is if you don't have a mailing list, an email mailing list on your website where people can sign up and get newsletters or daily email or weekly email or notifications when things change, if you don't have that, you're missing an opportunity to communicate with people. And, and you think offhand that why would you even consider email? You're doing a podcast why are you doing email for something like this? But the reality is not everybody in the world has Twitter. People either love or they hate Facebook. Um, a small percentage of people, relatively speaking, is, is on Google+. Plus. You can't hit everybody in one place. But you know what everybody has? Everybody has email. That's one thing that is universal. So it, it's, it's the piece that's going to cover you the rest of the way. You just have to come up with a way to make the email something that people would care about getting. And there's a lot of creative ways to go about doing that. You can always go back and listen to some, some of our other podcasts on that. But I, I think it's that idea of taking how you do it in the big world of large corporations and bring it down and use the same techniques and ideas in a way that's going to affect your podcast. Awesome. Definitely. Most, most big successful companies that I know of have lists, email lists, or like files, central files. I mean, they, they have a list of identities that they've collected and they market to those guys. You know, we've talked about this before and I said then I don't have a mailing list. I'm going to make one. I will at some <laughs> point. Let me get moved and I'm going to do that because you've talked me into it. I don't know what I'm going to mail out, honestly. That's the thing. Once you have a mailing list, you have to have to actually put something useful on it. But uh, we'll, we'll figure that out next. Some, yeah. So now think about it. Think about uh, you've got a lot of time on the road over this next two weeks. You can think about what would I send to people every week? Would you have a huge network of different podcasts? Would it be this week in your podcast? 
podcast network? Would it be, um, here's some topics we talked about on a particular show for the week. Would it be a daily email? I send an email to thousands of people every day. I break every rule of email marketing. There absolutely is. And if I miss an email, people complain to me that, that I'm not sending them that daily email. So there are absolutely ways you can make this work for you. <laughs> And then the next yeah, that's thing, pretty good, James. You're do, you're doing it right. If people are complaining when you're not emailing right. them, of course, right. every spammer says that too. Hey, people call me up and say, "Where's my Viagra at today?" Uh, you've heard spammers say that, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I have. No, <laughs> no. I, that, there was a there was a great. Uh, I'm sure. I can't believe you haven't seen that. It was a a huge internet video. It's this huge um, spammer. Uh, and said he, that was one of the things in the interview. He said, "Hey, when I, when when I when something goes wrong, I get emails from people saying, hey, 'Hey, where's my offer today?'" Uh, anyway, um, the next thing I had on the list is is online ad campaign, paying for advertisement, uh, AdWords, oh, yeah. online ad campaigns, things like that. Have either of you guys done anything like that? What are your thoughts on it in general? We'll uh, start with you again, Steve. Uh, I have had not success marketing Podnuts through Google AdWords. Um, I've had success with other sites, but not really with Podnuts. Um, and my my keyword it just didn't really fit, uh, and my my keywords weren't set up properly. So I guess I just didn't do it right. Um, I did go when I wanted to market Podnuts early on. I did go and just Google all the sites that fit the keywords for my site, which was computer repair or tech podcast. I went through the f- the first page of all the Google results. I went to those sites. And I tried to contact the owner and see if he could let me put a banner or an ad up on his site to try to get people to come and listen to my show. And it worked out really well because if you Google computer repair, none of those sites have to do with podcasting. So I wasn't competing with any of these sites. They were kind of happy to have, like it was almost offering them a free service, like a value to their site to have a link to a podcast that talks about computer repair. It's like giving them free, useful information. So um, I would do that Google uh, your your keywords for your podcast, whatever subject your podcast is about. See what sites are really big out there, and see if you could get some ads up on their sites, and maybe even for free they'll put some stuff up. That that definitely happened to me. That sounds or, like good advice. Uh, for those people that that have never even heard of this this AdWords thing before, this is this is the the little uh, Google ads that you see all over different sites. That if you had a website, you could put these ads on your site and make revenue from it. That's called AdSense. The other side of this, the one where people are putting their ads to be shown on your site, is AdWords. That's the other side of the Google piece. Um, and, and for those of you that still think Google is just a search engine and it's all free, you should remember that they make over $10 billion of revenue every quarter. So this is where they're making that money because advertisers recognize that people are on the net all day, every day. They're going to Google. They're searching for things that are interesting to them. And the Google AdWords is set up to take your ads. If somebody's searching for computer repair and Steve has purchased some ads that say, please come to Podnuts and watch our computer repair videos and podcasts, then it will pop up to that particular user some very context-specific advertising. It's really quite ingenious how they've how they've discovered and honed this and have made it work so well for them. You can purchase these ads 
with any type of keywords. You heard Steve talk about these keywords and the things you can do. This, um, there's two things about AdWords. Number one, you're paying money for this, but fortunately, Google lets you decide how much you would like to spend every day, every week, every month. You could say, I want to spend $5 a day and just cut it off at $5 and they'll do that. So it's very, very flexible. They want your money. They're going to make it very easy to take your money from you. The second piece is the part that Steve mentioned is that there are these keywords that you have to effectively purchase. So if somebody searches for computer repair, you have purchased ads under the computer repair keyword. All keywords cost different amounts. The more popular a keyword, the more expensive it's going to be. It's effectively an auction and you're competing against everybody else who would like to put ads on a website with the term computer repair. The challenge you're going to have if you're ever setting this up, and I've been doing AdWords for years and years and years, is that it is a relatively complex process. You really do need to sit down, read a bunch of documentation about exactly what's going on. You can't just jump into it, set it up, and off it goes. There is a little bit of work that needs to be done. It's not incredibly complex, but it is something that you do have to learn and understand. And Google has made it through the years easier and easier to get into. The other piece, and you're going to have to play around with it, and it will take money, is figuring out what keywords work for you. You may be surprised at what keywords are fitting a particular niche that cost very little money, because I would imagine computer repair is not an inexpensive keyword to get. I would bet you'd have to spend some money for that one. And Google has tools online that you could type in, what if I tried uh, a Dell repair? There's a price they'll give you for that. What if I try a repair of Apple repair? What do I get? What if I try iPad repair? What if I try Linux repair? You can try different, different combinations of things. AdWords is incredibly effective. Otherwise, people wouldn't be using it. I use it and it is incredibly effective to get people to my site. And I do two types of ads. I do an ad that says, here are some absolutely free videos. And I put it out there. To me, it's a marketing cost. It's money I'm just throwing out there so that people come to my website because when people come to my website, I want eyeballs. The more people that view my website, the more revenue I'm going to make as an organization, the better the site will run. I can pay the bills and keep everything up and running. I have another set of ads that I run for the products that I sell. Please buy these products. And then they go directly to the product page and view those pieces. So you've got a lot of different ways. You can use AdWords and craft it and carve it. You make up your own ads. You do your own copywriting. You configure and set up the costs. As I mentioned, it's not a simple process. But if you set it up just right, you tweak it, you play with it, you'll find that there are some very effective and in some cases, very cost-effective keywords you can put in there. Uh, Steve, uh, definitely. Uh, wait, your name is James. Uh, James, <laughs> the, the, the more tired I get, the more the, the brain disorder uh, becomes obvious. James, I would recommend that you make your one of your next videos about AdWords. That would be that's, a good instructional video to do. It's a very good idea. I'm putting it in my list. Putting it in my Evernote right now. <laughs> it actually is a fun game. If you dig into AdWords, you, I, I've, there's been times where I really got into it and said, this is great. I want to see how, what keywords I can use and how cheap I could buy them for. And it actually could, could be pretty fun. And yeah. it's like James said, you could turn it on and off like a light switch. People go, oh my God, I'm not going to spend that much money and it's too expensive. No, it's not. You just turn off the switch if it starts to get a little expensive for you. There's no reason to let your bank account get like sucked out of hundreds of dollars if you don't want to. So. It's it's really a good a good system. 
And that's one of those things that uh, my partner and I have talked about often. He's he's sort of the stats nerd there, and he he said, you know, I want to put like a hundred bucks in and and do a run for you know whatever, and uh, test that for a week, and then do another run. And uh, you know, I think it would be really good if he ever actually does that. He's been saying he's going to do that for like a year now. Uh, you know, I go one step further. I don't even say I'm going to do it. Um, well, you know what? There's I get in the mail constantly $100 free AdWords um, from HostGator because I have a HostGator account. I can't use them because I already have an account set up. They're always for new users. So if you don't have an AdWords account, check online. There's probably tons of ways to get free credit into your AdWords account. And HostGator's giving out 100 bucks, and I think that you could probably even get that deal online somewhere. So do some searching. You'll get a free 100 bucks to start out with if you, if you do search properly. Cool. Uh, and then the next thing, Steve, that you put in the notes is uh, contact opinion leaders in your field. What do you mean by that? And, and other podcasters. Let's in, uh, lump those two together. What, this was the biggest, uh, most effective thing I did for my podcast early on. It literally took my podcast from zero and put it on the map. It jump-started the show. And what I basically did, and I've probably talked about it before, is I contacted a person who's doing a podcast about computer repair, and that's what I'm based, or just he was doing a podcast in general about tech. It was Leo Laporte. He has hundreds of thousands of followers that listen to his uh, podcast and shows. He does a radio show every weekend that he releases as a podcast, and he takes live callers. I just called into his show, and I told him I was doing a podcast, and he asked what it was called, which I was hoping he would, and I said, it's called Podnuts, P-O-D-N-U-T-Z dot com. And he's like, cool, I'm going there now. And he went there, he went to the site live on his radio show and he's talking about it. And it was like a couple minutes of call, call and we talked a little bit. And next thing I know, the next morning I wake up and I have 300 subscribers. So even though everybody else, everybody doesn't have a Leo Laporte, you probably have somebody who's pretty famous or has a lot of people who listen to them that is accessible to you through Twitter, Facebook, however you, I mean, there's so stars and famous people nowadays want to be contacted. It's crazy. It's so easy to get a line in to these people. Um, so, you know, it might not be at like Britney Spears level, <laughs> but you, there's a lot of people that, you know, are very successful and have lots of listeners and viewers or readers that you could contact and they could just start a conversation and they'll probably say the name of your show or your podcast, or they'll put it into a blog or they'll reference it somewhere. And that will just jumpstart your show and put it on the map. And regarding contacting other podcasters, what I did was I found two guys who already had networks and I said, hey, would you guys come to a show on my network? And that uh, that worked out pretty well. Uh, so they the, this guy who already had this other network and had been, been doing a bunch of stuff came on and this other guy who uh, has a whole bunch of uh, videos out there that people know about, these sort of household names uh, came on the show and, and uh, that, that's, that was my marketing. Good marketing, Mark. <laughs> And I think we're up to about uh, ooh, nine or ten listeners a week. So it's 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 been it's gone really well for you me. Should have shot higher. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we'll we'll see about that. But yeah, that's a uh, that's sort of a good thing. But it's only going to work once. That's not a, a recurring uh, sort of thing. Where to you know try to uh, get some. Uh, famous person to mention you or maybe maybe you can do it maybe you could call leo every week and, and it's almost a guerrilla marketing three, thing isn't it yeah i called him three times 
You know, it's um, if you do it tactfully and you give him some some kind of value, you're offering some kind of value to him um, or her. It's it's workable, and they, these people don't have to be super famous because you might not right. be able to really get them. But find somebody who you respect and you listen to yourself and does something similar to what you're doing. And there's somebody out there that will be your Leo. And it, you're right, Mark. You can't keep doing it, but it'll it'll put you on the map. It'll give you like take you from zero to something. Right, and you, you you've put it uh, said it well. You, it's got to be relevant. So let's say you do a show uh, about uh, off track betting. Um, you don't want to call QVC and try to get on the air, right. you know, on the home shopping network or whatever. So yeah, you've got to find some some. Uh, uh, relevance there you've got to be relevant to their market and they've got to be relevant to your market but yeah i think that's a, a kind of a cool way to do things yeah and just just to clarify one last thing he on his radio show people call in asking questions about how to do things that he would know the answers to and that's how i handled it i, I called him up and i said leo i just started a podcast but i don't know how to set up an rss feed how, what do i do and that's how he started the conversation i didn't just call with a blatant plug because that would have just turned out bad for everybody so definitely do it tactfully and you'll get good results all right that's all i have to say about that james any comment there um i i went out to see i planned to see leo i went out to uh twit and i picked the one date that he was out of the country nice <laughs> nice so it might help you as well to check the calendar <laughs> That's well, you tip. didn't have a whole lot of choice, as I recall. That no, I trip did. was, and, and to be fair, when I did book the the, the travel, it was during and there was another event involved, and he was going to be in town, and it was sort of a last minute thing. He ended up leaving, but uh, it's uh, one of those things as well. I think it's always good to network that way as well. If if those people are at a trade show or an event or a place you can go to, that'd be a great place to meet them in person as well. And the next thing totally. we have on the list there, moving right along, is, uh, by the way, if you're watching the live stream, I apologize for the really terrible quality of my video. It's not my camera. It's Google+. Plus. It it hates me. So, uh, Mark, anyway, Sven is not going to be happy about this. Yeah, I know. I know. It's I'm going to hear, some, I'm gonna hear some, from Sven about it. Very disappointed. Uh, the, the next thing we have on the list is SEO, that black art of search mm. engine optimization. These, uh, th these guys who will send you emails saying they can make you number one in Google. Um, I'm going to give you my um, 30 second primer on SEO. Have good content. Make it available using uh, web standards so that all web browsers and crawlers can read it. And that's about as good as you can get SEO-wise. Do you guys agree or yep. disagree? I agree, but there's a little bit of a problem right now in the fact that we're doing audio and video. And it's not really easy for the Google bots to know what kind of content exactly. is in our audio and video without listening to it. So document your content well with proper show notes, good titles, relevant words on your site. I mean, of course, I'm with Mark. I, I don't really actively go out and try to do SEO as a black art. I just know that if I, my site's about computer repair and I put computer repair in the title of my podcast, then that's good. And if you put show notes for your podcast that talk about what your show is about, that's good too. So that kind of simple stuff gets you a long way. Yeah, you got to give the the search engine something to search on. And as yeah. you said, audio and video, we're we're not to the point of indexing those yet. We will be. I'm I'm sure of that someday. Yeah. Uh, but right now, uh, if you post an MP3 online, 
Google has nothing to go on but the title of the MP3. So accompany that with other documents. And, um, you know, what, what I do is it, it, at least, at the very least, a description of who's on the show and what you talked about that, that makes it searchable later. James, your comments? The, the, if you've ever put a video up on YouTube, you know that it will do an automatic transcript if it can. And the transcript is, it's not great. Well, it's not even good, but it's not bad. Um, somewhere there in the middle and it's getting better all the time. And I certainly expect that what Google will be doing is indexing and searching through some of those things. So that may be another opportunity to take a podcast that you normally would just put out on RSS. There's no reason why you can't take that same podcast, put it on a YouTube channel. And just stick a graphic on there of your of your graphic slide for your podcast. Yet another way to have people index, see it, find it, and do what they do with it. I've spent a lot of money uh, when I see those things online, uh, the the internet marketing products that specifically talk about how you can take your site and be number one in Google. Um, and you see those ads all the time, where you can be number one in Google overnight. Um, I will tell you, they can move you up the stack and of course potentially make you number one what they aren't telling you is they are ab let me say this clearly they are absolutely gaming the system to do this do not do this because as soon as google has figured out that you've contracted with a company that is now going to put comment spam on hundreds of thousands of different blogs that's going to to take their uh their their pre-made sites and link back to you. As soon as they figure out with their algorithm that that's what's going on, you will suddenly disappear from Google. And that is absolutely not what you want to have happen. They are using ways to move you up that are artificial. They are not things that are going to help you in the long run. Um, you need to do exactly what you've heard already. You need good content and you need to network with people who are doing the same types of things. Some of the most powerful things you can have from a search engine optimization perspective is people linking to you. The more people that link to you, the more you're going to be trusted by Google. And that's where these people try to game the system occasionally, um, but they catch up with them. If you're going to sites that are reputable, reputable, you're going to sites that are in the same type of genre of, of technology or product of, of subject matter that you are in, those particular sites are going to be more valuable to link back to you than others. So start building that out. There are other things you can do on your website. If you have Joomla or WordPress and you're managing your site, there are plugins for SEO that can help put the right things in your website so that you get the best possible coverage from Google. And I would say other search engines, but other search engines really don't matter at this point. Right. You need to look attractive to Google. Yeah, James nailed it. <clears throat> Those are like the big two things you want to do is have good, fresh good content and get links, preferably, like James said, links back to you from reputable sites. Meaningful. And, reputable. and what? Meaningful links. They, you know, It's not just a random link on some blog somewhere, but it has to be somebody because that's part of Google's page rank algorithm is how important is this site and how important is your site and how important is the link between the two of you? Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. So I, I think the anchor text of your link should have good keywords in it. I mean, the actual wording of the link should be valid as well. I don't know if it, that's exactly what you meant, Mark. But the, the last thing I wanted to say on this too was when, when I talked about earlier about getting ads on other sites that I Googled, that helped my SEO. I mean, uh, when I did a Google for 
computer repair, I found a site called technibble.com. And when I hooked up with Technibble and he linked to me and I linked to him and, you know, we were literally not just like link sharing. He had content and I had content and it was the perfect marriage of sites. That helped me a lot. And a couple other sites down the list also helped me a lot as far as just getting an ad or a link on their sites. That that also put Podnuts on the map. It, it got me to the point where when I did a Google search for Podnuts, Google did not answer back, did you mean donuts? Because <laughs> that happened for like the first three months. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I know. I love well, that. What I, what I meant when I said meaningful links is, is um, not just posting your link everywhere you can post it and every forum you go and like a signature file but you know like your shows about computer repair having it on tech nibble that's a meaningful link because they actually do yeah. what you're talking about and google pays attention to that so your link on on a blog about uh, you know civil war reenactment isn't <laughs> going to mean much to google that's awesome or Miriam's, you know, Miriam's site. Yeah, Miriam's quilting hour, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then moving on, are we done with SEO? Yes. Okay. So the next thing I have on the list is is go back to your, you know, college band days uh, and, and you know, merch, uh, T-shirts, hats, uh, that sort of stuff. And my only piece of advice about that, and this is a, a classic rookie mistake I see people make all the time, don't try to make money off of that stuff. If your t-shirt costs you $5, sell it for $5. Sell it for $4. This is marketing. This is you getting your name on other people's body, and they are your uh, uh, banners and billboards walking around out there. Don't try to have any markup. Don't try to make any money. Just get people to wear your logo. That's all there is to it. Give it away if you can afford to. Have competitions, whatever. Just get your name out there um, you know, on a hat or on a shirt because that's a personal connection. And so, you know, somebody's going to be in the in the mall, and they're going to see us. Uh, uh, you know, somebody standing next to you and say, "What the heck is a pod nuts anyway?" And and that gets a conversation going. Now, the conversion rate to that, and that's what we talk about in in terms of uh, making a listener out of a, a link, is is going to be abysmally low. You're going to have you know a hundred thousand people throughout the life of that T-shirt are going to see it, and maybe one will be a listener. But that's okay because that one has a real actual relationship there. So that's my, my thing about T-shirts and hats and bumper stickers. Give them away as much as you can. Sell them at cost if you can't. And just get your name out there in personal ways. What you wear is very personal. Um, and so it, it has more power. Yeah, people love where, I mean, if they listen to your show, they will love wearing your shirts and hats. You know, um, everybody I've sent stuff out to, um, they really enjoy it. And I... I see them wearing it all the time, at least when I'm doing a podcast with them. So I hope they wear it out in other places. But they, they do. They just they like that kind of thing, and it's fun. Um, if I, I bought 100 shirts and 100 hats, and I'm still giving them out, giving out and selling them. You can actually buy them. Um, but if you don't ha actually have the money to go out and do that, sign up with Zazzle.com or uh, Cafe Press or one of those, those sites, and you could just freely create merchandise and have a little market. They set up your web page and everything and you could sell everything from mugs to bumper stickers to t-shirts to hats to freaking underwear, whatever you yeah. want on that site. You don't have to pay a dime. You just get a commission on every sale uh, and, and that's another way of doing it. 
Yeah, I have stores with both Zazzle and Cafe Press, and I have the commission set at zero. I want to make no money at that. It's still ridiculously overpriced. It's like 35 bucks for a hat. Uh, But, you know, and I tell people I make no money off of that. But, you know, it's it's print on demand. As soon as you order, I have no inventory. I don't order anything. They do it. And that's that's the the value proposition. I could get those hats for four or five dollars a piece if I order a thousand of them from China. But I'm not going to drop $5,000 on hats and then be giving them out to my grandchildren for their graduation present. You know, hats and shirts is a good idea. The uh, the line of Professor Messer chocolate pudding just has not gone over very well. <laughs> doesn't doesn't ship well. There's just all kinds of problems. So what I'm is looking at hats and shirts. Do you have like little Cho- chips or something? Chocolate pudding. What are you talking about? I mean, I know you don't have like little like computer chips, like chocolate computer says, chips in it or something. It says, Professor Mester, chocolate pudding around the top. Okay, okay all right, fine. And we have a couple people asking in the chat room, where can you do it? Uh, I think if you go to all three of our sites, I don't know about yours, James, but uh, you go to elementopi.com, click the store link, and I think it's the same thing. It's uh, gear, or what do you call it on your site, Steve? I have a product site, but it's product. hard to find the clothing on my site. I don't really promote it, but you go to pod, uh, zazzle.com slash podnuts or podnuts.com slash clothing for the hats and shirts, but I'm running out of stock on there. I would just go to the Zazzle site. Yeah, you go just to my, my chocolate pudding link right on the homepage. There you go. <laughs> you go to elementopi.com right up there at the top of the page is a button that says store. Uh, so that's that's the way I do it. So buy a hat, buy 20 hats. And if anybody has Photoshop skills, I want to see what a container of Professor Messer's chocolate pudding looks like. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you some. Does not ship well. <laughs> Telling you that okay. now. Okay. All right, good. Can't wait. So there will be some hasty pudding by the time it gets there. <laughs> Uh, and, and we've sort of touched on this earlier. Um, this is a, a question for me that I put in there. How active should you be in other people's communities? That's that's a fine line to walk between being uh, an active community member and being a spammer. You know, so um, we'll take me, for example, in the Podnuts network. All right. So how active should spammer. I be Yeah, in the Podnuts yeah. network? Uh, because we're, you know, quote unquote competitors, uh, so to speak. But at the same time, that's a good way for me to get um, an interested audience because there's definitely crossover there. Uh, and But I'm not just going to go on there and say every every time somebody posts something, I'm going to reply, hey, listen to my shows. Here's a link. Uh, so, But that's the thing about active. How active should you be? And what do you think the benefit of that is in finding uh, two or three communities that are similar to yours and actually being a member there? Uh, James, we'll start with you. I I do go to some of the the industry, or, or at least certification is is primarily why people are coming to my site. So I go to other third party sites that have certification forums, and if somebody does ask a question and I do have an answer, and it may not have anything to do with my technology, my product, my videos, and often it doesn't, I will answer. Um, and, and give them something there, and I go. I don't know, maybe once a month, I'll go through there. On your blog, you sometimes will get links back from those particular sites, and you'll know when people are mentioning or linking back to you, and that may be an opportunity to go into that, especially if they're saying, um, are there new videos coming? What other types of things are there? You could actually answer some questions like that, and I'll tell you a quick story. One of the first ones I did, I put as part of my tagline, um, my, my name and my videos on the website. And the first time I posted on that site, they banned me because I put effectively spam as part of the tag that I had associated with. And they give you an opportunity, I had to remove it 
and then punch a button to say, okay, I've gotten rid of it. Can I, can I come back in again, please? <laughs> so you couldn't have a signature line with a link to your page in it. Right. That's harsh. So you got to play think, by the rules. Some, James, is it, was it only if you do a, like five posts and then you could have a signature or was it just everybody couldn't have a signature? I think it was pretty much everyone. Um, although at that point, it was very, very early on in the life of, of what I was yeah. doing and nobody knew who that guy was. Most people right. still don't, but they certainly didn't on that site. Um, so now it's a little different. I, I comment in there. They go, oh, okay, yeah, I've seen your stuff. Okay, good, good. Yeah, I know when I set up my forums, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get spam out of there all the time. Um, I, like a newly registered user, I think is not allowed to have a signature for the first five or 10 posts or something like that. And then you can. So uh, different forums have different rules, I think, about that. Yep. Okay. Any other comments on on other people's communities? I always yeah. feel uh, I don't know, a little dirty when I do that. You know, it's it's um, maybe I shouldn't. But again, I, as I've said before, I have a problem with self promotion. I'm not I'm not good at. It. I'm not comfortable with it. Uh, but you know, if if I'm in a like for example, when I was in the education world, which I'm not anymore, uh, I was on this mailing list with uh, like ten thousand uh, people just like me, technology professionals in education. The exact audience that I was trying to get to with my Taiwan Tech Show, and people would ask me all the time, "How come you never mentioned that?" In this mailing list, you're an active person there. You'll post, you know, 15, 20 times a week about something and you never mention that. And and it always seemed to me a little unseemly to be doing that because that's not what that forum is for. Yes, they're the audience that I would be interested in, but uh, or that might be interested in me, but that's not what that forum is for. So I, I always tried to keep that separate. But again, don't follow me because as I said at the very beginning, I suck at marketing. Well, there is a know, line there. Go ahead, James. You go ahead. There is a line there and it's a gray line and it's very hard sometimes to figure out where that is. And everybody's a little bit different. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I mean, that's it, there's nothing wrong with really going with your gut on that. You, you don't want to do something that's going to make you feel dirty. That's why I think if you do join other communities or go in other communities, it's because you want to and you feel like you have something to offer and you could share with those people and you feel good about being there. You know, maybe the, the first idea you had to go there was just so you could market. But maybe once you get there and you, you start making friends, you go, okay, well, now it's okay for me to say who I am and what I do. And yeah, just be ethical about it and do, do whatever's going to make you feel good as far as going to other communities. I mean, you don't want to be that guy who just is there for blatant promotion and you'll probably get banned if you do. Yeah. And just as a, a personal pet peeve, if you're if you have a blog or or whatever that you're trying to to um, to promote, don't force people to go there when you share a resource. Like I, I'll say, some you know somebody will ask a question, um, uh, and they will they will say you know I blogged about this here. Go to my blog to get the answer instead of actually giving the answer. You know what I'm saying? If somebody's in a forum, instead of answering the question, they refer you back to the blog. Or if you're in an email list, instead of answering the question, they refer you back to the blog. That is like digital whoring to me. Uh, and just don't do it. Give the give the content away, right? If you're in that forum, answer the question in the forum. Don't send people back to your site and say, hey, I did a podcast about this. Go there. Answer the question and say, if you want more information, yeah. you can go here. Totally. 
Totally. Okay. Uh, and then are we, are we done there? Any other comments about that? Uh, com- other people's communities. Okay. Podcast awards. Are they worthwhile or not? Yes or no? I would say, because uh, I the, this last year was the first year I actually actively tried to win one. I would say it is worth it. Um, of course, you're just getting all kinds of people to go to somebody else's site who's probably making money off the advertising and the sides. And um, that's cool. You know, it's, it's a business. Um, but what happened to me was we got nominated as for tech podcast or something like that. And of course, we got creamed by the Twit Network. But the Twit Network was so happy that they won that they read off the list of their competitors on one of their shows. And Podnuts not only got mentioned on the shows, but ridiculed for the name (laughs) which is hey any press is good press i think so um you know they were making fun of the name said it sounded like a porn site or something like that you know i don't care i don't care they talked about it so that was for me that was worth it just having that you know and and people go to that site people go to the podcast award site and they look and see what's ranked and why not you know i I would say why not give it a shot i think it is worth it maybe you'll win let's, let's stipulate from the beginning that they're all a racket you're not actually Absolutely. winning anything of any value. But having said that, you can extract value from that which has no inherent value. Yeah, you mean you don't win a prize, you mean? Right. Well, I mean, it's just nobody cares if you win an award. You know, generally speaking, a podcast award is not prestigious in any way. They give you a banner or whatever. Most of them are totally meaningless, even to the people who win them. But as you said... I, I would be happy. I would be happy if we won... I would be happy because I know that our listeners went and voted and we got the most votes. I would, it would be a matter of pride yeah. for me. Now, see, I'm only saying this because I'm a sore loser because I, I threw all my effort into uh, to one and I didn't even make the finals. So I'm uh, bitter okay, and I'm tell angry. Tell us about no. that. <laughs> but uh, no, it's just, uh, all awards are pointless. You know, uh, Emmys are pointless and, and, and Oscars are pointless, but it sure is good publicity all the way around. And it, and it, is, it is nice to... To, to know that somebody cares enough to to nominate you at least you know to that end you are you are absolutely correct the purpose of any type of award show is to make revenue for the person who's producing the award show there is no other purpose for it other than that if you get some award out of it or you get some advertising or you get a feel good from it it, that's just a that happens to be a byproduct that in no way has anything to do with the person who's putting together the award show making money because that's really the point of doing those. They exist as an ego trip for the people who don't make the money and as a money maker for the people that obviously are producing it. So you have to keep that in mind. It's a marketing exercise. That's all it is. They know that you would like to get some notoriety. They can spend some money so that you can get that notoriety. In return, they get money back from advertisers, from the people that, in some cases, from the people that are part of the podcasting community to be part of the the entire thing. Some are very, very, very squirrely in the way that they operate. But it's really no different than a trade show. A trade show is exactly the same type of weird, incestuous marketing thing where they're taking money from the people attending the trade show and they're taking money from the people who are, are exhibiting at the trade show. And you pay a little extra money if you want to speak at the trade show. Um, it is the the same thing if you get married. That's a whole racket in itself as well. <laughs> or if you move across the country. 
So yeah. there, there's all kinds of little awesome. places there that you that you do run into those types of things. But if you keep that in mind and and keep the right state of mind in there and make it work for you, you're probably in fine shape. But I will say that I, uh, as having been nominated uh, for an award, went to the site to see who else was nominated and added like three podcasts to my feeds. Right. As a result, other people are going to be doing that. So that's yes. where the inherent value is. Yeah, I agree. Just don't don't let it mean anything to you personally. You know, uh, some right. some of the awards show actually charge you to be nominated. Like you got to pay an entry fee. That's what I'm talking really? about. It's all about the Benjamins. Yeah. Uh, you have to have like a, an entry fee to to right. you know have to get a certain number of people to nominate you. Then they'll once somebody nominates you, they'll allow you the privilege of paying them to be in the in the award show. It's the way it works. As long as we're clear, and we understand that that's right. the way it works. Okay. Any other uh, comments about, you know, the last thing we have there, we've sort of already mentioned is, um, you know, you got to have something, right? Uh, James, you put that there. Shouldn't just be a podcast, but a website or newsletter. You've got to have um, a well-rounded product. And that's a good bit of marketing, not just be a podcast, but have supporting stuff. Am I, am I reading the tea leaves right on that one? Have your email, get your newsletter going, make sure you're participate on Twitter, have your Google plus page going, have your Facebook going Do your daily emails, or at least some type of one of those things or a mixture of different things. Don't just do a podcast, make your podcast come alive by adding all of these other pieces to it. I would definitely agree with James. I mean, especially website. Have have a rock solid professional looking website because that's the that's the first thing I did before I called Leo, like I talked about earlier, is I made sure my website looked good, was easy to navigate, and had podcasts on it that people could listen to. So make sure you prepare before you market. Excellent. And you know, as I've often said, have something of value. That's that's the most important thing. Yeah. Okay, anything else before we wrap up the show? This has been a good one, guys. Cool. I agree. I, I like the show because I just come with questions and they give answers. And I don't have to do much. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so we'll move on to the uh, lessons learned this week. And my lesson is simple. Uh, Mayflower Mover sucks. So I, I am doing a search into deck right now for the hashtag Mayflower Sucks. I expect to see some posts about it. I want to. I want people to get behind me and uh, say Mayflower sucks. So that's that's what I learned this week. Uh, uh, James, what did you learn this week? I learned that uh, unfortunately Mayflower sucks has already been taken. Oh. Uh, Mayflower <laughs> moving sucks, however, appears to be available. I'm just saying. Um, as I was setting up tonight, uh, as we've talked in the past, I have a DBX-166XS that I have, I guess I purchased it a number of months ago. It's a relatively new toy for me in my studio. It's a compressor. It's a limiter. It's a noise gate. Um, it, uh, it's a floor polish. It's a dessert topping. It does everything. <laughs> the And I'm finding more and more really great things about it. Uh, I use it for everything. I use it for a lot of online meetings with GoToMeeting so that uh, my noise gate is great. I can type away at my keyboard, which is right under my microphone. Nobody knows it. And I can be, they'll ask me a question. I could be searching on Google to find the question. Oh, well, let me tell you the answer. I'm glad you asked that. And I sound like I'm brilliant. They never knew I was here pounding my keyboard trying to figure out the answer. 
But one of the things that we worked on and we've been working on is uh, some backup audio for this podcast. If I, my audio was to go bad right in the middle, I would need to provide you with a locally recorded audio. And up to this point, I've had a mix audio on a digital recorder that I have here, but obviously it has everybody's audio in it. It has Mark's audio, it has Steve's audio. There's other things that I'm doing in here that it would have audio. Um, I wanted some, uh, some audio that was just my mic that was completely mixed out of everyone else's. And I have some other things plugged into my additional buses on my mixer. I didn't have anywhere off my mixer to do this. But on the back of the DBX-166XS, it has two outputs, one that is a uh, XLR and one that is a balanced or even an unbalanced quarter inch connection. And I was using the balanced quarter and I had an XLR cable and even in the documentation says, oh yeah, you can plug in both of those, use them at the same time, won't, won't affect anything. Just plug them in and go. So that's exactly what I did. I plugged in my XLR, put it also into the, the digital recorder that I use is a Marantz that also has two separate audio inputs. So now I can keep my full connection that I have for every bus going into this Marantz. And then I can flip it over to a separate preset that only takes in my audio. So I can use that on Sunday nights for our live broadcast feed. And now it's running perfectly. I just plugged in one cable, changed a few settings on my digital recorder, and I'm off to the races. So I didn't even realize that was there. So just another thing to make sure you check your documentation, read through the tools and the, the technology you have in place can solve some of those problems. That's good. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Those devices are awesome. It's such a good investment if you're a podcaster getting one of those DBXs. If you go to swing getting the 166, get that. If not, get the 266. I absolutely love mine, and um, they they really are worth the money. All right, Stephen, what was your lesson you learned this week? Well, I talked last week about being obsessed with headphones, and I'm just about at the end of that craze, I guess you could say. That was quick. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, I got a lot done in the past two weeks, but um, I actually tried to um, use just headphones. In I, I, this wasn't for podcasting; this was for creating a song. But this definitely applies to podcasting. Um, just use headphones and try to get all the levels set and the bass and the treble and everything all set properly. Just using a good set of headphones, and then I played it back on my good set of speakers, my studio monitors, and it just did not sound even. It did not sound balanced, and it was just wrong. So mm. headphones are trying to be good at, at what's called mixing, which is this final stage where you take all the levels and you try to set them properly of all the people in your show. Um, but right now, the pros are still using just speakers. They're called studio monitors, and they, they could get quite expensive, but mine were like 150 each, uh, so 300 for the pair. I have a set of KRK Rocket 5s, um, and they work just great. This will give you a true representation of what your final mix is going to sound like. So you could burn that to an MP3, and it should sound good on most devices that it gets played on. But just trying to use the headphones without the speakers, I realized it was not a very true representation, and I kind of regretted doing it, and I had to go fix it with the uh, actual studio monitor. So Mark even mentioned this last week. He's like, why are you mixing with headphones anyway? And he was right. So uh, I caution against mixing with headphones unless you find a good set of headphones that are very even and very flat uh, with the frequency spectrum. Those Rocket 5s, they're, they're powered speakers, right? Yeah. Oh, they and sound don't even, great. Don't need an extra amp with those. Just plug it in and you go, right? 
yeah, you don't need an extra amp. I have them plugged into an audio interface and um, they're for the money. They're really good. I'm very happy with them. Nice. Also, one how, thing to keep in the, mind is no yeah. matter how good, how, how well made a set of headphones are, your head is such a resonating cavity. It changes the way things sound. I beg that's, your pardon. You know, that's <laughs> you sound different in your own head than when you hear yourself recording. When you're wearing headphones, that same, uh, they call it head transfer, comes into effect there. Your head becomes a speaker, essentially. And when you move the audio source away from your head, you don't get that. So that's that's why I don't think headphones will ever be as good as monitors. They, they're, they're, like you said, they're working on making them better. But until they can adaptively know what your head sounds like they're never going to be as good or if you just know your headphones inside and out and know that they're a little bass heavier a little high on the treble you could compensate but until you know them inside and out it's probably not even worth it i would just go with the speakers Um, i wanted to ask james what how how are the uh sennheiser hd 280s 380s 380s I am loving them. I'm loving them. They are more comfortable than the 280s. The 280s tend to hit my ear on the inside. And after a few hours, that that gets pretty painful. Um, but the 380s are are a little bit bigger cups on the inside. You don't touch the um, the that part of the head, headset at all. So I can leave them on all day, completely comfortable. Um, pretty happy with them so far. Good. Uh, how many hours would you say you've got in them so far? Well, uh, all day, every day for a week, two weeks now, whatever it is. I guess last week, so it's been a week. And I've been doing a, a ton of editing with them. They are completely flat. They are not DJ-type headphones. They don't have a ton of bass in there. There's, we just mentioned, really designed for you to get a, at least as good a response as you can um, just in the headphones so you can hear what's going on. But it's just me talking. So there's not a right. lot of mixing I have to do there. It's more levels that I have to right. deal with. Um, and it's it's really worked out nicely. So 50, 60 hours and you still find them comfortable. That, that's, like that's Oh, yeah. I can t- leave them on all day long. Uh, on some days, I'll come into my office at 8 in the morning and I'm out of here at 2 in the morning. So I can leave them on the whole time completely comfortable. That says a lot. They're, that's they're worth a lot of money. Good. Yeah. And they're going to just keep sounding better as you burn them in. Yeah. And I, I can already tell they feel better. They're not as tight. I'm breaking them in. They're, they're coming along nicely. Yeah. That's one of the things I found out about headphones as I was doing my research is um, most people still agree that there's a burn-in period for headphones. You got to listen to them for like, well, so, all headphones are different, but people listen to put music on all night for like three days straight and just break in their headphones. It's called, they hmm. call it burning them in. And they, they sound different after that period. They, the drivers get uh, broken in and they just sound better. So um, that's something to think about when you buy headphones. And you might put them on and be like, well, these don't sound that great. You just give them a couple days and keep playing through them and uh, they should sound different. Nice. Yeah, something to keep in mind about any transducer, be headphone or my, I'm getting geeky here, but they're literally moving parts. You know, and, and they, they may look solid state. You put on a pair of headphones, you don't think about that, but they're moving parts in there. And so moving parts have a wear in and a wear out period and you have yeah. to take both of those into consideration good point okay um i will say one more time 
contact us. We we do uh, enjoy your feedback. Uh, Facebook or uh, elementopi.com or our Twitter or wherever else you'd like to do that. Let us know how we're doing. Good, bad, or indifferent. Well, if you're indifferent, why waste the time? But <laughs> good or bad, <laughs> uh, just let us know. And also, I would uh, encourage you to uh, hop in over to iTunes and uh, leave us uh, a comment and a rating. Uh, I would rather you not make it a one-star rating but if that's what you feel you got to do uh you know vote your conscience as they say but uh please do find us on the new podcast app and search us in the podcast catalog i think they're calling it now um Mm -hmm. And leave us a rating and leave us a review. Uh, that is that's somehow that you can be uh, marketers for us, and we will appreciate that. Sounds good. Uh, any other further comment before I pull the plug? Yes. Could I put a plug in before you pull the plug? Please. Um, I still have my video set, uh, howtopodcast.biz. It's all about how to podcast. So if you guys are interested in it, you like what you're hearing in this show, and uh, you want to just uh, sit down for a fully comprehensive um, education, I, I could say, about podcasting, go check them out. Uh, I spent a lot of time on them, and I basically just brain dumped everything I know about the subject into them. It's at howtopodcast.biz. Yeah, I sort of forgot that. That's like the only thing you get for being on the show is the plug, and I left that out. <laughs> James, would I you get, like to I do your full plug? enjoyment of doing this, too? <laughs> yeah. I would. Um, this this was actually a pretty good week for me. I completed a major project on Professor Messer, which is the latest Network Plus certification from CompTIA. 189 videos. It goes wow. for, for just four minutes short of 15 hours of free content for IT Damn. certification. So uh, it was good to have that entire course completed over this past week. You can find that at ProfessorMesser.com. And now I get to do some other videos of different types of uh, topics and more stuff is coming very shortly james you're a machine i'm working it. swear that's amazing there's like if you opened up james's head there'd be a little gears and cogs and like a squirrel running in there he's he's a machine he's not a man the squirrel's sleeping that's what i should be doing (laughs) (laughs) yes it is getting late it is uh 12 26 a.m eastern time and these guys have (laughs) have uh, stuck with us uh, all this time so thanks for doing that guys thanks for listening uh, out there to our audience Uh, those of you who joined us live we had about uh, 14 or so people who were uh, listening on the live stream thank you for that we appreciate it and uh, for all you others who will be uh, listening to it later uh, I hope you're having a good midweek and uh, you're on the downhill side here on Wednesday so uh, thanks for listening everybody we appreciate it and for now that ends this episode of the art of podcasting.